0: Like I stated a few weeks ago, if you hadn't been with us, I started a mini series titled Praise Him. It's based on Psalm 150, where David said, Praise the Lord. Remember, this is his last book, his last writing. And this is the instruction that he gives us above anything else that he could write. He says, praise the Lord. Or as we've learned over the last few sessions that we were together, it means to halal the Lord. What David was saying was boast on him, rave about him, celebrate him mightily. He goes on and says, praise God in his sanctuary Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And the last words he speaks and leaves us with is a repeat of praise the Lord. How many of you can see the message that's there? I think it's pretty clear. It's not a hidden message. It's not an obscure message. What David wants to remind us with in his last writings is the best thing that we can do in our relationship with God is to praise him. The best part of our spiritual life should include praise. So I know that we're not going to go back into prayer and we don't have any instruments, but guess what? We got these instruments right here and we got this instrument right here. So I'm going to ask you one more time, let's praise the Lord. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. So here's what I want to do because we've missed a few weeks. I'm going to take just a moment to refresh us, but I'm not going to repeat really everything that I've covered without bringing something new to the table. So you're going to hear some stuff that's old to refresh us, but you're going to hear some new stuff in the process. But what I want to refresh us with is the premise of Psalm 150 teaches us five things concerning praise. It actually teaches us six things. But I said five, because we're going to look at that five, and then I'll dovetail to the six at the very end. But what we learned, number one, is when to praise, number two, who to praise, number three, where to praise, number four, why to praise, and number five, how to praise. And I pause for a minute to just say how grateful we should be that we have a God that just doesn't tell us to do something, He tells us how. He gives us instruction as to what he tells us to do. And this is exactly what Psalm 150 teaches us and what we'll look at and, and what we've already looked at. But what we've already looked at is when to praise, which is morning, noon, and night. Amen? The Bible teaches us that we should praise him all the time, that his praises should continually be on our lips. Because how many of you know there's never a bad time to praise the Lord? It's always a good time to praise God. It's good to praise Him when it's sunny, it's good to praise Him when it's gray. It's good to praise Him when you're healthy, it's good to praise Him when you're sick. Amen? So so that's the when we are to praise Him. We should praise Him morning, noon, and night. In part two, we looked at who to praise, which is the Lord capital L-O-R-D. It means Yahweh. It means the I am that I am. It means the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It it means the the one true God and only wise God. That's what it means, the God above all gods. That's who we are to praise. You see, the world praises a lot of people, The world praises Hollywood and the world praises money and the world praises athletes and the world praises itself, church, and sometimes we unfortunately tend to do the same thing, but the Bible makes it clear that the person that we are to praise is Yahweh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We also learned in Psalm 100 the secret to praising him properly, because how many of you know there's a proper way to praise the King of kings? the Lord of Lords. There's a proper way to praise Yahweh. There's a proper way to praise the, the God that's above all gods, church, and that's with clean hands and a pure heart, Scripture tells us. If we want to truly enjoy the benefits of praise, we have to make sure that we praise God with clean hands and a pure heart. And I'm going to take a little time to teach you tonight some things that maybe you do know and I'll refresh you, or you don't know, it'll help you when it comes to praise. But in the temple or in the, the tabernacle, just outside of the, the holy place, the dwelling place of God the, the place where the the presence of God was the place where the the mercy seat and the goodness of God dwell just outside of that place was an altar of incense that burned every day and the bible tells us when you study it that that table represented the praise and the prayers of God's people but one of the things that we also have to realize is that that table was lit. The, the table of incense was lit with a coal that came from the brazen altar where sacrifice took place, where, where surrender took place. So what that tells me is that there is a proper way to come into the presence of God. There's a proper way that we should praise him, and it is with clean hands, and it's with a pure heart. Before we try to enter into deep praise and before we try to enter into the Presence of God, before we come before the, the mercy seat and, and, and try to experience the goodness of God, we need to make sure that we've got clean hands and a pure heart before we worship where the Word of God tells us that it's really false worship. One of the proper ways to praise Him is with a spirit of reverence and a spirit of awe and a spirit of humility. When we praise God, we should be emptying ourselves and exalting Him, church, The proper way to praise him is with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and all of our strength. Because how many of you know half-hearted praise isn't praise at all? The Bible tells us that we're supposed to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So why shouldn't we have to praise him in the same way? If you and I want to experience the fullness of God in our lives, we have to praise him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. When we praise him, we can praise him with all of our lips, and we can praise, while our minds all over the place. So what we have to do is realize that for me to praise him properly needs to be with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when we, when we know these things, church, this is what Psalm 100 teaches us or taught us. If you remember, there were three secrets to praising him properly. It was to know who he is, to know who we are, and to know whose we are as well. And when we know these things, we can't help but praise him. When you know who he is, when you know he's the king of kings, and you know he's the Lord of lords, and you know he's your redeemer, and you know you know his character and his nature, you can't help but praise him properly. And we're going to look again at that word of praise and, and what it means to actually know him. But the word of God teaches us in Psalm 100 that when we know these things, church, We can't help but come before Him with joyful singing and joyful praises. When we know Him, we can't help but come before Him with service unto Him. We can't help but want to do what He wants us to do. When we know who He is, church, which is the King of glory, the the Lord strong and mighty, when we know that He's our ever-present help in a time of trouble, when we know that He's our Redeemer, when we know He's our peace, our, our provider, and our protector, church, When we know who he is and who we are, we can't help but praise him. Because according to the Hebrew text, knowing him and praising him go hand in hand. According to the Hebrew text, you can't separate the two. When you know him according to the Hebrew text, you're going to praise him. And you praise him because you know him, you know him properly. I'm not going to get too theological and too teachy, but the reality is to know him is to praise him. It's the word in the Hebrew, it's yadad, Y-A-D-A. And it means to be in covenant relationship with God. It means to have an intimacy with God. So here's what this is teaching us is that when you are in a covenant relationship with God, when you're in a marriage relationship with God, when you you have intimacy with the King of Kings and and the Lord of Lords, when you have intimacy with the Holy One of Israel, you can't help but praise Him, church. That's what the Word of God is teaching us. To know Him means to have intimacy with Him. And the reality is a lot of individuals struggle with praise and worship Because they aren't intimate with the Lord. Because they haven't developed that intimate relationship. They know a little bit about Him, but they don't know Him personally. They don't know Him intimately. They've not entered into a covenant relationship with Him, church. Listen, if you and I can't praise Him properly, it means that we don't know Him like we should know Him. If we can't praise Him in the midst of our storm... It means we don't know him intimately as the one who can still that storm. Because when you know the one who can still the storm intimately, you'll praise him in the midst of your storm. If, if we have a hard time and, and we struggle praising him in the midst of our lack... It's not condemning, I'm just saying that we don't know him intimately as Jehovah Jireh, our provider, who can meet every need we have according to his riches and glory, because the word of God teaches us that when we know him, when we have intimacy with him, we will praise him, we will halal him, we will tada him, we will da him, church, and we'll look at that again, but when we know him, we will praise him. If we can't seem to praise him in the midst of our prison, like Paul and Silas did when they were in that putrid prison cell, church. If we can't praise him in the midst of our putrid prisons in these places of pain, it means we don't truly have an intimacy with our redeemer, with our deliverer, with the one who can truly set us free. Because the reality is if you know him intimately, you'll praise him in a putrid prison cell just like Paul and Silas did. They praised him in that place of pain and and that place of suffering because they had an intimacy with him. They understood that praise and knowing him went hand in hand, church. And this is what we we learn when we go through these two passages of Psalm 150 and and Psalm one hundred. What it tells us, church, is that this, the reality is you and I can have intimacy with God in any circumstance and situation of life. We can have intimacy with God in our place of pain. We can have intimacy with God even in a place of sickness. We can have intimacy with God even when we're in a place of difficulty and and in a place of suffering like we see all through Scripture, church. And when we have that intimacy with God, we praise Him. And then what did we learn we learned that god enthrones himself on the praises of his people so i gave you that whole introduction for you to understand that whatever lot in life we might find ourselves in if we could just be intimate with him and praise him he will enthrone himself on the power of those pra- uh, he will enthrone himself with power on our praises in whatever place that we're in and I begin to open prison doors and turn our life around and give us what we need amen The reality is, if we know him, we can't help but come before him with praise. If we truly know him and have intimacy with him, we can't help but halal him. We can't help but boast on him. Listen, the guy or the gal or the individual that you hear always bragging on God, they just can't be quiet about God. They can't get that smile off their face about God. It doesn't matter what circumstance or situation they're in. they just always about God. they talking about Jesus. they they talking about the kingdom. they talking about the Holy Spirit, church. Those individuals, they know their God, and they have intimacy with them. And this is the reality of what we have to understand. Those individuals that boast on him, those individuals that rave about him and brag about him, who sometimes put us to shame, they have intimacy with God. They have intimacy with Christ. They have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Listen, when we have intimacy with God, When we have intimacy with the Holy Spirit and intimacy with Jesus Christ, and remember, they're three in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they they are the triune God. They're all in one. So, So don't think the only person we can praise is God. Don't think the only person we should praise is Jesus. We ought to be praising God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see, you and I need to always understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is a him, it is a person, he he has a nature, it's not a it, and he's not a thing, and he's not just some floaty substance, the Holy Spirit is a person that you and I should have intimacy with, and when we have intimacy with the Holy Spirit, I'm trying to teach you something here, when we have intimacy with the Holy Spirit, we can yada him. We can sing the song of surrender to him. We can sacrifice ourselves to him, yield ourselves to him, and walk according to his will, church. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us and guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us revelation. The Holy Spirit is the one that speaks into our ears and speaks into our heart so that we walk in obedience to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is that. But listen, the reality is the reason so many of us struggle yielding to the Holy Spirit, the reason so many of us struggle conforming ourselves to His voice or even hearing our voice is because we don't. Have intimacy with him. It's, he's an it instead of a person. But if you want to truly walk in the will of God, if you truly want to walk in the blessings that he has for you, you have to learn to yada the Holy Spirit. You have to learn to, to praise the Holy Spirit. Through an offering of surrendering and yielding yourself to the move and the voice and the will of the Holy Spirit. That's, that is the sacrifice of praise, church. Yadah is a sacrificial praise. It's the, the laying of yourself, the, the laying of your will, your past, your present, and your future at his feet. And leaving it all there. Listen, you and I have to learn to praise Yadah, the Holy Spirit. If we want to walk in truth, if we want to walk in revelation and receive the fullness of what God has, listen, when you know him, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you can't help but to daw him. And if you remember, that was the last one. That was the praise of thanksgiving. Not just the praise for what he's done, but the praise for what he's about to do. You remember Jehoshaphat and, and, and the, the children of Israel when they had an out, unbelievably outnumbered by a vicious army. God's instruction to them for victory was to send out your praise people. Put them on the front line and march out into that field. Don't raise your sword. Don't raise your shield. Don't Just raise up some praise and watch what happens. But the praise, when you study it, it was all three praises. It was, it was halal, which was just boasting on God, marching out into that field, just boasting on God. It was, it was the praise of Yada, the surrender. God, I, I, Jehoshaphat said, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to trust in you. That's the song of surrender. And so that was out there on the battlefield, and then finally they began to praise him for what God was about to do, for the enemy that was going to be defeated, for the victory that was going to come their way, for the impossible that was going to become possible. It was all part of the victory, church. That's the to-do, and that needs to be part of our lives, church, when it looks terrible, when it looks bad, when the marriage looks like unfixable. God, I thank you that you're going to fix this thing. When the, when the son or the daughter is so far away and so lost, you can't, you can't even imagine light breaking through the darkness. God, I thank you for the light that's on its way. I thank you, God, for the salvation that's, that's right on their heels. I thank you for the testimony that's coming. It's all. and it needs to be part of our praise language. It needs to be part of our life, church. Psalm 100 teaches us that to know him is to praise him. So, I say all that because if you're having trouble celebrating him, if you're having trouble surrendering to him, if you're having trouble giving him thanks in advance or, or for things that have even already been done, I challenge you to get to know him. Get intimate with him. Study him. Talk to him. Hide yourself in him. That's how you get intimate with someone. Listen, you can't have intimacy. Marriage is a covenant relationship. It's a reflection of our relationship with God. You cannot have intimacy with your spouse without talking to them. You can't have intimacy with your spouse without being connected to them and being close to them, church, and the same thing goes with God. Listen, part of becoming intimate with your spouse is studying them, and I wonder how many of you have ever taken the time to study your spouse What do they like? What they don't like? What's their favorite color? What's their favorite song? How do they react when this happens? What makes them sad? What makes them happy? We ought to be students of our spouse because we're in a covenant relationship with them. But far too often in these covenant relationships, we expect the spouse to do everything for us, but we don't got to do anything for them. They need to know us, but we don't need to know them. And far too often, we're the same way with God. God, I want you to know all about me, all my problems, all my pains, all my needs, all my sufferings, but I don't want to know about you. When you are in a covenant relationship, the way, the way you become intimate is you got to study the one you're in intimacy with, or you'll never be intimate. So you got to study God. you got to study his word. you got to talk to him in a place of prayer. Find that prayer closet, church, and have communication with them. And then hide yourself in him. Wrap yourself in him. Call on his covering each and every day. That's how you create intimacy. And when you have that, you can't help but praise him. You can't help but praise him in your pain, praise him in your sickness, praise him in your suffering, praise him when the lights go out, praise him when all the odds are set against you. You can't help but praise him. Why? Because you have intimacy with him. Praise him and, and, and watch what happens, church, and then through it all, remember God enthrones himself with power on the praises of his people. So if you need victory, praise him. If you need healing, praise him. If you need a turnaround in your life, praise him. If you need something happen in your marriage, praise him. If you need a lost loved one to come home, praise him, church. If you need to be set free from something, praise him. That's what the Bible says. If you need something from God, praise him. And tonight what I want to do, that's that's the first two that we looked at. And I'm going to wrap it up tonight with the the little bit of time that we have left. And we're going to look at verse 1. Look, wow, wow, we're only at verse 1. But it says, praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. And this is the where we are to praise Him. The Word of God makes it very clear. We've already looked at the first two. The first two is when to praise all the time, who to praise the Lord, where to praise. Was, and that's the one we're looking at now is where to praise it says, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, church. And all that means simply is praise him down here and praise him up there. How many of you know there's praises going on up there 24-7? All day long, i mean, eternity. That's what you and I are going to be doing. We're going to be praising God. So, so listen, get used to it. Get used to it. Okay, this should, it should, praise should be our vocation. It should be our Christian vocation, praising him. Because we're going to be doing it forever. So praise Him. Amen. Just praise Him. Down here and up there, the Word of God says. In the Hebrew, it simply means this. Praise Him on earth and praise Him in the heavens. Let earth be a reflection of what's taking place in the heavens. Praise Him here. Don't let the only praise that Jehovah God receives come from the angels that are round about Him. Let praise come up from His people. That's what this passage teaches us, church. Praise him in the sanctuary means praise begins at home. Praise begins with you and me here on earth. It's not just the job of the angels is what what I'm trying to say. Praise belongs on your lips. Praise belongs on my lips. It belongs in your heart and in my heart as well. Praise him in his sanctuary. It begins with you and me. It isn't just the vocation of angels, like I said. Praise shouldn't just come from the four and twenty elders that stand around the the throne of glory saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It should be on our lips as well. It should be in our heart as well. It should be in in our homes as well. And it certainly should be in his house as well. Praise belongs in our house and praise belongs in his house as well. One of the saddest realities when it comes to Christians, and I'm not saying you, I'm just saying in general, one of the saddest realities is, as far as the Christian is concerned, praise takes place here and only here. They don't praise in their car, they don't praise in their work. And again, I'm not talking about you, but I know a lot of this is the only place where praise ever comes upon the lips of his children. It's when they come into his house, but praise belongs in our house as well. It belongs at the dinner table. It belongs in the bedroom. It belongs in the backyard, in the front yard, and in the playroom. Praise should always be on our lips, church. Praise God in his sanctuary. It means this place should always be filled with praise. When we come into the house of God, it's the one thing we should bring. We should bring the sacrifice of praise. We should bring the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We should bring the sacrifice of joy, church. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, the Bible says. That's all part of praise. That's the to that I'm talking about. When we come into God's house, we ought to be thanking him for what he's done this week, what he's brought us through, how, how he's given us and granted us another opportunity to come into his house and into his presence. We ought to come in with praise and not grumbling, amen? Praise him in his sanctuary, The reality is his house should be filled with halal it should be filled with boasting and raving about god it should be filled with bragging on how good god was all week long far too often we talk about how good our sports team was When we have our time of fellowship, we ought to be talking about how good our God was, what he brought me through, how he touched me, how he turned this situation around. We ought to come into the house of God bragging on God. House of God should be filled with yada, church. Like I said, with a song of surrender and thanksgiving, with the sacrifice of praise. Praise is always a sacrifice, always. That doesn't mean it's burdensome. It doesn't mean praise is always hard, but praise is always a sacrifice because it's laying ourselves down and exalting God above everything else. It is a pleasing sacrifice to God. Like I said, praise is that that sweet aroma that raises itself into the nostrils of God. Praise is always a sacrifice, church. In the Old Testament, like I said earlier, in the Old Testament tabernacle, the New Testament temple, the altar of incense, like I said, uh, the, which was outside of the holy place, represented the prayers and the praises of God's people. It was a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God. And the Bible tells us that it burned every day at twilight. Every day at twilight. You know what that teaches us? Is that every day before the sun goes down, we ought to praise the Lord. Every day before the sun goes down, we ought to halal the Lord. We ought to boast on him. God, I brag on you today for what you brought me through. God, I boast on you for overcoming this. Uh, We ought to brag on God every single day before the sun goes down. Before the sun goes down every single day, we ought to yada the Lord and yada the Holy Spirit. God, God, I surrender all the problems of the day to you so I can sleep with rest. I I surrender my bitterness and I I surrender my unforgiveness and I surrender my pride and my ego and, and my arrogance. God, before I lay my head down to rest, And before the sun goes down, I surrender it all to you, God. I surrender to you my morning and my my tomorrow and and my next week. I I surrender all the problems I'm going to face and all the temptations I'm going to face and 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 even all of the successes I'm going to have. I surrender it all to you, God. Every day before the sun goes down, we ought to surrender ourselves to God and when you do, you'll sleep like a baby. You'll sleep like a log. Your mind will be covered. Your heart will be covered, and you will not stay awake all night. When you praise God before the sun goes down, something happens. Before the sun goes down, please listen to what I'm trying to teach you. Before the sun goes down, we need to to-da what God's going to do tomorrow. God, I thank you for the victory that's coming tomorrow. I thank you for the provision that's coming tomorrow. I thank you for the healing that's on its way. I thank you for the divine appointment that's gonna come my way. I thank you for the favor that you got stored up for me, the provisions you got stored up for me. I thank you for the breakfast that'll be on the table. I thank you for the lunch I'm gonna eat at 12 o'clock. I thank you for the dinner that you're gonna give me when I get back home from work. I thank you, God, what you're gonna do for me tomorrow. We got to, to da the Lord before we lay our head down to bed. That's what changes our life. That's when God comes down and enthrones himself with power on the praises of his people, church. Oh, you want the power of God to daw him, praise him, halal him before the sun goes down. That's what we learn from even a a simple little passage. It needs to be part of our life every single day. And it needs to burn. Here's the other thing you need. It needs to burn with the coals of sacrifice. I said to you that the altar of incense had to be lit And it had to be lit with the coals that were taken from the brazen altar, which was that place of sacrifice. The fire of praise has to always be lit with surrender. With surrender, with sacrifice, with the laying of ourselves down. That's what we need to do, church. And when that happens, the the fire of praise and the fire of the Holy Spirit and the fire of His power... We'll all saturate and and burn in our lives, church. Verse 1 teaches us that praise belongs in the house of God, which is the temple of God. And 1 Corinthians 6.19 teaches us that we are that temple. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You're the temple of God. So guess where praise belongs? Belongs right here. This is where praise starts with the children of God. If it doesn't start here, if it it starts here and it starts here, this is where it starts, this is where it comes out, this is where it starts, this is where it's manifested. But if it's not here and it's not here, when you come in here, there ain't going to be no praise. Praise begins in the sanctuary of God. It begins in the temple of the Most High God, and you and I are that temple. It's not just this building. The Spirit of God resides here, and this is where praise begins. If you want to experience a blowout of praise here, have 500 or the 1,500 people that come on Sunday morning. Let them be burning with the coals of praise inside their spirit, and watch what happens. You know, we come into the house of God and it's, well, that's not good enough and that's not good, that's not good enough. When we ought to be asking ourselves, do I have the, the, the coals of praise burning in my soul? Do I know Him? Do I have intimacy with Him? Am I in that covenant relationship with Him? And, and when you are, whoo! You come in these doors different. Have a few of them on a Sunday morning. Not just up me, uh, me up here. Woo! Have everybody come through that door on, walk through that door. Woo! I just demand everybody to be shocked. Well, what's going on in here? Can't wait to see what God got in store. Clamorously, Remember? To worship Him, to praise Him, means to clamorously and vigorously celebrate Him. Look, I'm not asking you to be a bunch of kooks. I'm just asking you to let the fire of praise be down in the belly of your soul, church, and then let it be manifested when you come into His presence. Listen to me. What happens, man, I want to get moving, but what happens when you put one hot coal next to another hot coal? What happens when you take a hot coal and put it next to a, a warm coal? That warm coal gets hot and fire starts between the two. Listen, your praise has impact on other people. It can cause a warm going out coal to be ignited and experience the fire that you have. That's what praise is all about it's contagious, church. Praise him in his sanctuary. Again, reminding us that that praise belongs one place in his presence. In his presence. He's the one that deserves the praise. Ain't you and me Isn't the Democratic Party, the in Hollywood, it isn't our favorite sports star. Praise belongs to God. Halal belongs to God. Tudah belongs to God. Tudah belongs to God. Belongs to God. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Like I said, the vocation of every believer should be praising God. And the location of that vocation should be everywhere everywhere. Everywhere you are. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord everywhere. Everywhere we are, we ought to be praising God. Amen. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him on the earth. Praise him in the heavens. Everywhere we go, we ought to be praising God. Verse 2, move on real fast. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. And this is the why we praise him. Okay, so we're being instructed, church. This is the why we praise him. We don't just praise him because he's some some strange creature up in the the heavens or in the sky. We praise him, church, for his acts of power, the Bible says. Praise him for his wondrous works. Praise him for his surpassing glory, which means his glory or or his surpassing greatness. It means he's greater than, than any great. We praise him because he's greater than any great. We praise him because his greatness is unsurpassed, because there is no one like our God, church. Praise him for his awesomeness. Praise him for his glory. Praise him for his holiness and his righteousness and his justice, church. Praise him for his power and his might. Praise him for his faithfulness. You want to know why to praise him? Praise him because of his mercy and his grace. Praise him because he brought you out of darkness into his glorious light. Praise him because you once were lost, but now you're found. Praise him because you once were blind, but now you see. Praise him because you were once in in sinking sand, but now you're on the the rock eternal. Praise him because he saved your soul. Praise him because he woke you up this morning. Praise him because he put breath inside your lungs. Praise him because he put a step in your feet. Praise him. Because he he gave you something to listen with. Praise him because he gave you a tongue to talk. Praise him because he gave sight to your eyes. Praise him for his surpassing greatness, church. Praise him because he woke you up this morning. Praise Him because He conquered your sin. Praise Him because He healed your body. Praise Him because He touched your troubled mind. Praise Him because He broke the chains of sin. Praise Him, church, for His surpassing goodness. Praise Him because He helped you overcome the addiction. Praise Him because He healed your marriage. Praise Him because He brought home your son. Praise Him for what He's yet to do. Praise Him, church, for His surpassing greatness Praise Him, church, for the mountain that He brought you over. Praise Him for the valley that He brought you through. Praise Him, church, because there is no one like our God. Praise Him because He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last and everything in between, which means there's no lack in my God. Praise Him, church. Because he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Praise him because he's Jehovah Rapha, the one that heals my body. Praise him because he's Jehovah Shalom, the one that gives me peace. Praise him because he's Jehovah Sabaoth, the one that fights my most and mightiest battles. Praise him for who he is, church. You can tell I'm getting excited. Praise him. That's why we praise him, church. Because he is the king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. Praise him because he loves me. Praise him because he sent his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Praise him because when I was yet a sinner, he died for me. Praise him, church. Why do we praise Him? I gave you probably 50 reasons why, and it doesn't even begin to touch why we should praise the Lord, church. Amen. Amen. So praise Him. Amen. (laughs) Praise Him. Finally, I'm going to wrap it up just in the few minutes that I have. Finally, verses 3 to 5 teach us how to praise. How to praise, not just why to praise. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre, praise Him with timbrel and dancing, praise Him with strings and pipe, praise Him with a clash of cymbals, praise Him with resounding cymbals. This is how we praise Him, Church, vigorously, clamorously. Listen, that praise that He's talking about—that ain't wimpy praise. Yeah. Yeah. That's not. That's not silent little praise it's praise. It's it's vigorous. It's it's clamorous. It lets the devil and the world know we're actually praising God. Amen? I mean, come on. Please understand, three verses out of six tell us how to praise. He's making a point of telling us that we ought to praise the king of kings vigorously, Three out of six verses are telling us how to praise, which should be clamorously, it should be heard, it should be evident, it should be seen, it should be felt. You got all this stuff going on, you can feel it, church. Uh, one of the parts I loved, and some of you might not have loved it, but I loved it because I was studying this. On Sunday morning, we had someone wailing on that on that electric guitar during Sunday morning service, man. They were clamorously, vigorously just celebrating God. You could feel it. You could hear it, church. That's praise. Now I know there was some out there just thinking, man, that was just a bunch of noise. I'm telling you, it was praise. Because that man that was on that guitar doing that thing, I know he knows God. I know that he has an intimate relationship with God. And that was just an outpouring of his praise. Let it be clamorous. Let it be vigorous. Don't let it be wimpy. God did not design us or call us to be, to be wimpy with our praise. Amen? This is how we praise him vigorously, out loud not wimpy. Church, listen, I shared it before. I promise you, when, when Paul and Silas were in that prison cell, in that putrid prison cell, they didn't offer up any wimpy little praise. The word of God tells us that every single prisoner heard it. Their praise was so loud. Listen, it shook. It shook the prison cell. Well, some of you might say, well, that was, that was God. It began with their praise because please get this. It says that God enthrones himself with power on their praises. Their praise was the catalyst for the shaking. It was the catalyst for the, if, if they wouldn't have been vigorous with their praise, if they wouldn't have been clamorous with their praise, if they would have been little wimpies with their praise, nothing would have shook and no, no prison doors would have been opened. Nobody would have been set free. They were clamorously and vigorously celebrating God. You need something to shake in your life? Praise the Lord. You need those prison doors open. Like I said, praise the Lord, church, Jehoshaphat, and the frontline worshipers and musicians like we learned a few weeks ago, they didn't offer up wimpy praise when they went through the battlefield. It was clamorous, and it was vigorous. And the Bible said it was so clamorous and so vigorous, it, it confused the enemy. Confused the enemy, and they ran off, and they didn't have to fight us. They didn't have to raise a single earthly weapon. Listen, I don't, I don't know what you're going through tonight, and I don't know the battle that you're waging, and I don't know the size of the, the giant or the size of the struggle that you're going through, but I'm telling you, your praise is bigger. Your praise has the power to cause, the, the, the power to have God come down and, and overcome the enemy that's, that's coming against you, church. So here's how I'm going to close The final truth concerning how to praise Him, which I started with, is by getting to know Him, like I already said. It's how we praise Him properly, by getting acquainted with Him, by getting intimate with Him, by being a man or a woman like David was, who was constantly chasing after the heart of God. Listen, that's how how we learn to praise Him, chase after Him. Get into an intimate relationship with Him. And when you do, the the praises will begin to develop on your lips. Listen, praise is spiritual. Praise isn't just a good voice. Praise isn't just a a gifting or a talent that you have on, on a piece of instrument. It has to start here has to be in your heart, church. has to be cultivated here. It has to go through that process that I talk, talked about. And it, it starts with purity, with clean hands and a pure heart, church. It starts with the, the humility. It, it starts with the, the surrender. When you put all those pieces in order, you see the power of, God's pra- power of God descend upon your praise and change and transform your life. Finally, David closes out his psalm. Let everything but everything that has breath, praise the Lord. When are we to praise? All the time. Who are we to praise? The Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Where are we to praise? Everywhere on earth and in the heavens. Why are we to praise? Because of His surpassing greatness. How are we to praise? vigorously and aloud with our lips and with instruments, church. And verse 6 gives us the final instruction, who should do the praise. The last thing David speaks to us, like you go through all the psalms, he's just got incredible writings, amen? He shares some incredible psalms, but the very last words that he writes are, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's his closing comments. It's the end of his chapter, the end of his writings. And that's where I'm ending tonight with that same exact thing. It's the last commission that David gives. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everyone that's here tonight, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Let everyone that's here tonight, halal the Lord. Let them boast on him. Let them celebrate him vigorously. Let them yada him, surrender to him, yield to him. Let everything, let everyone that has breath praise the Lord. Let them to da the Lord and begin to praise forward for what God's going to do tomorrow. See, I, I brought all this lesson hoping that when we begin to praise him, our tomorrows will be different than our todays. And if you and I begin to practice this, our tomorrows will be better than today. And the tomorrow after that will even be better, and the tomorrow after that even be better. And then when we come back next week, next month, next year, we see the incredible change that God has brought into our life. So here's how I end. We've got just a few minutes. He walked out just at the right time. Okay? We're just going to take a few minutes. We're going to just praise the Lord. Whatever's on his heart, whatever comes from his lips, let it come from your lips too. And, and we're going to leave praising, and I'm not even going to have an altar call because I just, this is how we're going to end the series, and it's how we're going to, we're going to leave praising God. We're not going to, we're not going to leave asking God. So if you have a need, praise him in the midst of it, okay? Forward Praise. You need healing in your body, praise him for the healing that's on the way. Whatever situation, circumstance, you need God to move in, praise him in advance for what he's about to do. Amen? So I'm going to join you in the praise. I'm going to come down, and when we're done, he's done, we're just going to leave praising. You can stay the whole song. You can leave halfway through the song. If he does two songs, you can. St- we're just going to praise the Lord. Amen? You can stand. You can kneel. You can st- Whatever you want to do, you sit. Let's just praise the Lord. Amen?
1: Your praise will ever be on my lips. amen. Ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will. do miracles so great there is no one else like you
0: Let His praises continually be on your lips.